Amen. I, I am so thankful for the old Roger Cross. Amen. What a victory we have. Brother John is in Africa, Tanzania specifically, for a couple weeks. Uh, he did check in this morning. He said that the service is already over there for the day, but it started at 11 o'clock, and it was 1.30 before he started speaking. <laughs> and then it was around 4 o'clock when they were finally wrapping it up and getting out of there. So it's a long service. Um, he, he assures us that it wasn't his fault. Maybe he'll bring some of that back with him. Who knows? But uh, pray for him and daughter Nikki as they are there with the group from Tanzania ministering and hope they're being a blessing and being blessed. Uh, Brother John has asked Brother Wayne Kasurik to come and speak this morning. Some of you may know him. Brother Wayne has faithfully served in ministry capacities for 31 years, and he's currently the volunteer chaplain at the Arkansas Department of Corrections facility, McPherson Unit. And last time I checked, uh, volunteer does equal no pay, right? So Brother Wayne is faithfully using his retirement for the Lord's glory. Uh, Wayne and his family have resided in Valonia for over 17 years. He and his wife Carrie have been married for 30 years and have three grown daughters and uh, certainly a blessing from the Lord, including grandchildren now as well. And Wayne preaches the good news of his very good God wherever he goes. And both his life and messages are centered around God's incredible grace. So you welcome him right now as he comes to the pulpit. Brother Wayne. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, brother. Well, good morning. It is uh, such a pleasure for me to get to be with you this morning in this capacity. I appreciate your pastor a lot. Uh, He and I initially got to know each other when we were both in prison. We was doing a baptism there. Uh, (laughs) And uh, actually, we've done a few baptisms together there at the McPherson unit, which if you know, uh, that is the women's unit, maximum security there. And I'll tell you, God is... uh, doing such great among those ladies. Uh, we had one, one baptism service there. We baptized 55, and we found out later that Arkansas Department of Corrections had never had that many baptized at one time. And so we just give God all the credit. And, uh, and your pastors also, he has, he has really befriended me here back a few months ago and uh, in some medical challenges for me. He just... Uh, he really hooked up with me, and we keep in touch now. And uh, matter of fact, he sent me that uh, that email this morning about the service. You know, starting at eleven and going till four. I believe we can beat that time today. Uh, so uh, don't worry, we're not going to try to match or go past them in any way. But I just told him, I said that's uh, that's African service times for sure. They uh, they are never in a hurry. We're going to be in John chapter 12 this morning. I, uh, there's a couple of things this morning and then tonight, two different things that I want to focus on that I believe, um, you know, when, when we have a new year come to our lives, and here we are at the end of the first month of the brand new year. Can you believe it's January 28th already? I won't ask you if you've kept your resolutions or not, but uh, I think it's always important to Go back and look at some, what I would call really 
basic instruction that Jesus has given us that we might not uh, think about all that often. In John chapter 12, there's a tremendous gear shift that takes place here for Jesus and also for those that were following him. In John chapter 12, Jesus is going to give us this enormous overarching principle that applies to our, our lives as a whole. Chapter 13, he's going to show us the, the purpose of how that principle can be lived out. Chapters 14, 15, 16, if you've ever looked at it in a red letter Bible, it's almost all red letters. It's practically all Jesus' words. And it's, he's giving uh, all of the particulars of these things out in those three chapters. Then chapter 17 is his high priestly prayer where he prays for those disciples that were following him then and he prays for you and I in that prayer and then he prays for himself in chapter 18 he enters into his persecution chapter 19 he goes through his passion for us chapter 20 it is his presentation of his resurrected self In chapter 21, he reminds those disciples of the plans that he has for their lives. So this morning we're going to be in chapter 12. Tonight we'll be looking at one point in chapter 13. But I want to focus on this one today. It centers up in the passage between verse 20 and 26. There's been a lot that has already actually happened up to this point. Uh, concerning this, what I'm going to call this gear shift change for Jesus and those. Mary has anointed Jesus in Bethany. Jesus lets everybody know that she's anointing him for his burial, for his death. Do you know that was a hard thing for the disciples to grasp at times? That he was actually going to go through what he kept telling them that it was going to be necessary for him to go through. And so here they are now. They, they're coming together. It's the time for the Passover. I want you to notice how Jesus, he has made his triumphal entry, what we would call Palm Sunday, into the city. Like I say, they're leading up soon to, to uh, actually experience the Passover meal together. And it says in verse 20, It says, now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Fathers, we come to your word this morning. We just ask you, we know the Holy Spirit is present among us this morning. And we just ask him, Father, to do his work among us to reveal this truth, 
to shine his light on it so that we can see it. And then make it real to us to where this truth can be taken and hidden away in our own hearts so that as we need to, we can live from this truth. And in doing that, we will honor you and honor the finished work of your son, Jesus. So we ask you to help us in this time, and we will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 24 is the one I focus on. Like I say, Jesus is, he's making a statement about himself, but he's also, here's the deal, here's what I want to focus on this this morning. Jesus starts this instruction to his disciples, and whether you realize it or not, the very same instruction is for you and I. If, you, if you've read throughout your Bible, you'll understand that at this point of Jesus giving these instructions throughout this, this passage, throughout the rest of John there, we never do hear somebody go, go back and say, oh, well, this now, now this is what you're supposed to do. Now, here's what supersedes that, that Jesus says. So as Jesus said it that day, it got put in place, and it's just as valid today as it was then. Y'all smile a little bit. It's going to be fun. Jesus lays this principle out like this. Now, I, I grasp this. I'm, I'm a, if you can't tell by my voice, I'm a, I'm a country boy. I grew up on a farm. My dad was a rice and soybean farmer. I loved the farm. It was a great way for a boy to grow up in the dirt and on tractors and stuff like that. And so when, when the Lord talks about something that has to do with farming, I, I, really, I really connect with that. When he says this in verse 24... Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He's talking about this thing, and I've seen this happen. I, I tried to think of it the other day. I don't know. I, I've literally, this is no exaggeration. I've seen billions of seeds go in the ground. You know, when you're, when you're farming and you're planting in the springtime and, and you're planting a lot of acres, at, at one point we were farming about 2,500 acres. And, and so, I mean, when you go out there, you're putting a lot of seeds in the ground. And so you see a lot of them go in the ground. Now that seed, when it, when it, when it hits that dirt, when it goes in that ground, if it's going to be fruitful, if it's going to be productive, if there's going to be a harvest, it has to do something. It has to yield itself to its circumstances. And I'll tell you, if, there's, if, it's, if it's in the right circumstances, if there's the proper warmth of the soil and there's enough moisture there, it is amazing. This is one way I want to encourage you this morning. This does not have to be a long, drawn-out process that Jesus is talking about of yielding ourselves in this way and see our lives be fruitful. Because I'm telling you, there's some stuff you stick in the ground and it is, it is incredible how fast it comes up. I used to love to see it. We would be planting soybeans, and, and, you know, we would plant up until it would get dark. And, and those last few rows, it would get planted in the soil right, right at sunset, right at dark, you know. We'd go away and see them the next morning drive back to that same field and look down that row. And you know what you'd see? You'd see thousands and millions of these little green heads poking up out of the soil. And I'd go, whoa. We just stuck those in the ground 12 hours ago. And they have yielded themselves and they have sprouted and they have come up out of the earth and they've changed color from yellow to green and they are in the process of being fruitful in their life. So when Jesus uses something like a grain of wheat, he uses it on purpose. 
He says, just like a seed like that has to yield itself, he says, so you and I also need to yield ourselves. He was going to do it. We already know this, that Jesus did that, didn't he? He yielded himself completely. Like I said, you get past you get past chapter 17, chapter 18, he goes, he enters into the persecution and, and he did it freely. Did he not? He says, listen, nobody takes my life. I give it freely. When they came to him as a mob, he says, why are you coming out with sticks and things like this after me? He says, I've been around you all this time. And so he gives himself up. And even there on the cross in his passion, you remember his cry? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I commit my spirit. He gave himself freely. He yielded completely. So what does he want you and I to do? Notice what it says in, uh, we'll focus on the next couple of verses in this. In verse 25, look what he says. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. He's talking about if you love your life, you're going to lose it. If you hate your life, you're going to, in this world, you're going to keep it for eternal life. What's he talking about, this loving and hating? I think he's already talked about it. If you want to turn over there, keep your finger where we're at. But in Matthew chapter 6, I think he has already spoken about this in a real illustrative way so that we can, we can understand this morning. It's over there in the section that we, we traditionally call the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 Uh, through 18. No, excuse me. That's the one above. In verse 19, Jesus makes this statement. He says, verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I'm telling you, I can remember it this morning just like it was yesterday. About five and a half years ago, I was teaching in the other women's prison down at Riceville, the Hawkins unit. It's a lot smaller unit. It's a minimum security. And there's a faith-based program in that unit, just like there is in the one at Newport. And I can remember I was teaching there one day. And I'd been, listen, at that point, I'd been saved a long time, a lot of years. I'd read through God's Word a lot. And I read this one verse, and it was, do y'all ever do this? Please tell me you do. Do you ever do this? You, you'll, you'll come and you'll read something that you've read who knows how many times and you see something that you never saw before. Y'all do that? This means yes. This means no. I'm reading this verse and, you know, I, I, it, it didn't hit me when it, when it says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on, on, on earth because of what happens there. And, and I'm thinking about, yeah, I understand that because he says, you know, you put too many clothes in the closet and try to keep them too long, moths are going to eat them up. You buy, you buy a car and you don't ever use it. You just set it out in the parking lot, leave it for years. It's just going to rust away and, and be of no value there. He says, thieves will break in and steal stuff. But verse 20, that day I was reading it, teaching, and I, I saw that. It says, but... Lay up for who? Yourselves. And that's what got me. Because I'm like, wait a minute. 
Jesus is saying that there's a way of life that I can live here on this earth that will transfer things over into the kingdom of heaven that will be things that he's calling treasures that I'll be able to enjoy when I get there. Isn't that what it says? Jesus says, but you should do this. Lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. He says, because when you lay things up there, moths don't eat it, rust doesn't destroy it, thieves don't steal it. And and he makes this statement. And I think this is where he's talking about that, you know, in this life, he says, you don't need to love your life in this life. In other words, all the stuff of this life. You know, you can get wrongly focused. You can get focused on stuff and not focused on the right things, not get focused on eternal things. You get focused on stuff and spend all your time and energy and money and stuff. And, you know, it's funny because in the Scripture when it says that we can't serve two masters, we cannot serve God and mammon, a lot of people say think that that just means money. You know what mammon means? It means stuff. Money's in it, but stuff's in it too. And Jesus says, here's what you should do. Lay up these things, these treasures for yourself in, he- in heaven because nothing's going to happen to them. They're going to be there. And he, he ends it by saying, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is. If your treasure's in heaven, then where's your heart? Now, he's not talking about this organ in our body that's pumping blood around. If you'll, if you'll focus whenever there, Scripture talks a lot about the heart. I remember Proverbs 4 and 23 says, you know, with all diligence, we need to guard our hearts because out of them, out of it flows the the issues of life. There's so much. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So there's a whole lot about the heart. He says here, he says, uh, he says, for where your treasure is, there's your heart. Wherever it is, in other words, whatever you treasure that's where your focus is. That's where the whole focus of your life is going to be. So he says, just like, just like he was talking about back in, in John chapter 12, when, when he said, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. Do you get a better picture of that now from what he said in Matthew chapter 6? Look at, the, look at the other verse, the last verse in that passage, uh, or I'll just read it, to, read it to you again. We're going to go back to Matthew. In verse 26 of John chapter 12, Jesus said, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Anybody serves me, anybody serves me is going to follow me. Go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 is where Jesus asked the question to his disciples. He says, who do, who, do, who do the people say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, well, you know, some people think you're John the Baptist. Some people think you're Jeremiah. Some people think you're one of the prophets raised from the dead. But they, they you know, that, that's who they think you are. 
And then Jesus turns to them, those that were following him, and he says, well, who do you say that I am? And, and this is one place where Peter steps up and hits a home run. You know, he's prone to put his foot in his mouth. But this time, he says, he says you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, wow, you're blessed because you didn't learn that from flesh and blood. He says, the Father revealed that to you. And you know what? We're a whole lot Peter. Here Peter hits a home run, and then just in a few verses, he strikes out. Because Jesus starts to share with them again about how he's going to have to be taken and crucified and then raised on the third day. And you remember what Peter said to Jesus? In our Bible, it says, Peter began to rebuke him. Can you imagine that? And this is where Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He knew where that was coming from. It wasn't really coming from Peter. And then Jesus says in verse 24, he told his disciples, because here's what was going to have to, have to happen to them. This all goes, goes along with the need of our lives to submit to the circumstances that God has put us in. It says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. That sounds common, doesn't it, to what we've already looked at? But whosoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He says, if anybody's going to come after me, here's, here's what you're going to have to do. Number one, you're going to have to deny yourself. I'm telling you, in, in the Western culture that we are in, that's a difficult thing. Brother John and Nikki are, are over there in Tanzania. I was over there in 2015. You go over into almost any other country in this world other than our country. We have, we have so much. We've been blessed so much. We have so much uh, materially. We have such prosperity. We have such freedom. We have such, so many things. It's amazing that the vast majority of the world does not have. And so for a lot of places, it's not a, it's not a huge deal to deny, our, to deny ourselves. But I'm telling you, for us... Sometimes it's tough to deny ourselves. But he says you're going to have to deny yourself, then you're going to have to take up your cross. And what's a cross used for? You know, Paul said it about himself. He said, I die daily. And I think that's what it's, he's talking about here is that, you know, we, there are things that we have to die to. Like I said, things that may have, we might be wrongly focused on. Things that might be, deterring our attention off of what is really necessary. And he says, you're going you're gonna to need to take up your, your cross, and then you, you need to follow me. And Jesus says, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world, but he forfeited his soul? There's an obvious answer to that, isn't there? He, he wouldn't gain anything. He would lose everything. So would you think again about what Jesus was saying? Over in John's Gospel, Jesus says, truly, truly, 
You know, in the original, that's, that's the words that are used there are literally amen, amen. We, we use amen on the end of things. In the original, they used it on the beginning of things. And what it meant was this. It meant something like this. This is the truth. Listen to this. And when, and when it said twice, that means, oh, wow, you need to really listen to this because this is really important. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Much fruit. Do you want your life to be fruitful in a spiritual sense? You know, that does not require wealth. It does not require fame. It does not require position. What does it require? Just this. A sovereign God has brought us into this life. He's had us to be born into the family that we're born into. To live in the place where we live. To be the age that we are. The race that we are. All the things all of the unchangeable things about our lives, he determined. And he's put us then in a set of circumstances. And he says, here's what you need to do to be fruitful. Here's what you need to do to be able to see a harvest out of your life. Yield yourself to the circumstances that you're in. I don't mind telling you the first time the Lord tapped me on the shoulder and began to move on me that he wanted me to do what I'm doing now. I wasn't listening real well. Because I'm thinking, I didn't have any experience in going to prison, thankfully. Uh, Even, you know, visiting or otherwise. And when it was particularly to the women's unit, I'm thinking, that's going to be interesting. And now where I'm at, on any given day, there's about a thousand women inmates there at this facility. All different backgrounds, all different stretches of life and different circumstances and situations. And for me... uh, Those circumstances are tough because I'm the only male volunteer in that place. Now, there are male officers there, and there's there's not many in administration that are males. But but what I'm saying is, not easy circumstances at all. And it may be that way for you. But they're not meant to be easy. They're meant to be a ground that we can plant ourselves in and then be fruitful. I got a couple of pictures I want to share with you today. If you could do the first one of the tree. Can y'all see that? Thank you. That, that tree is uh, on a piece of property that has come down through my family. Uh, me and my wife are now the owners of it. 
It's a place where years ago, a man, it's 120 acres, a man raised his family there, spent his whole life there. And, and there used to be two of these. The sister to this one blew down from a tornado several years ago. And this tree is, uh, as you can tell, it's rather large. It's a southern red oak. I measured it one day because I got interested in whether it was one of those champion trees or not, and it's 47 feet around. You go up four and a half feet and you measure, it's 47 and a half feet around the trunk of that tree. You can see there are limbs there that are big as big trees. There's limbs this big on this tree. And you just can't, you can't get it, all of it in a picture and do it any, any justice at all. It is enormous. And by what I've been able to, to read about it and others that close to that size, it, it, it has to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 250 years old. Do you know how that tree started? Let's have the next photo. It's kind of difficult this time of year to find an acorn that's all together, that something hadn't chewed on or it's not rotten. But I was able to. And that is a red oak acorn. It's not from that tree, but it is representative because it, that's the same kind and same size it puts out. But if you'll notice, that thing is, it's fairly small, isn't it? It's just a little bit bigger than a dime. I want you to understand that <laughs> there's a whole lot of things in this life that others will say depends on whether you're going to be fruitful in this life or not. But why did Jesus use a seed to teach us this lesson? Because he knew it's not about the size of the seed. It's all about the yieldedness of it. So some 250 years ago, there was an acorn that yielded itself, fell into the ground, yielded to the moisture and the warmth and sprouted and came up. If I've done my history correctly, the core of that particular tree, it would have been a sapling in 1776 when this nation began. But if you'd look at it now, you'd go, anybody that comes up there and sees this tree goes, wow, that's a huge tree. And it is. What does that mean for you and me? We're going to have an invitation here in just a moment. And here's what we're going to invite you to do. I believe any time that we look into God's Word, that uh, we need to submit ourselves to it, and then we also, however we need to, we need to respond to that Word. Because, you know, God tells us that when, whenever He sends His Word out, it never returns empty or void to Him. When it goes out, it always, always does what He wants it to do. And I know you're like me. I want that to be in my life too. I want his word to have its effect in my life. And I want to respond rightly to it.
So I want you to understand, it does not have anything to do with the criteria that this world system says you have to have or be or look like or do to be valuable to God in his kingdom. He's created your life specifically as you are, individually. No two of us are, are alike in any way whatsoever. We all have entirely different fingerprints. And he has, he has something he wants to do through your life and mine that I believe is particular to us. And so what's it going to require? Just like Jesus said. In a real sense, we're going to have to fall into the earth and die. We have to yield ourselves to the circumstance. And if we will, he says, I'll make you fruitful. And guess who gets the glory in that? God does. He does. Father, as we come to this time of the service this morning. We've been in your word and we've read it and we've heard it and we've thought about it. And Father, I know there's a responsibility for each of us. Your word says that every time we hear it, that faith comes to us to be able to trust it and live it. And I'm just praying, Father, this morning for all of us Whatever we need to do, however we need to respond. If there's someone here this morning that you've just heard this for the first time, you've just come to understand this for the first time, you've never yielded your life by faith to the finished work of God's Son, Jesus, to be saved, then we're inviting you to do that today. And we're asking you, Father, to to lead that person in that way. But Father, for for anyone else in this place this morning, whether they've been a, a believer for a short time or a long time, if there's something in anybody's life that you have, you've spoken to them about, you've showed them, you've urged them, a circumstance that you want them to submit themselves to, then Father, I'm asking you to help us today, all of us, to do just that. If we need to, to come to the altar and pray to you and say, Yes, Lord, whatever you want, my life's here. I'm denying myself and I'm taking up my cross and I'm going to follow you. So, Father, we just trust you. We trust you for the results of this time. And we thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for loving us and using us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.